What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the More Beer Podcast. Today, we have a short but awesome conversation. This is from Free Beer Friday, our weekly YouTube show hosted by More Beer president Chris Graham. In this conversation, he and More Beer founder Olin Schultz talk about how far dry yeast has come in the 25 years since they've been brewing together. After this conversation, you'll understand why the two of them think the industry is experiencing a dry yeast revolution. If you're not already watching Free Beer Friday, make sure to go check it out on our YouTube channel. We're giving away free beer kits every week and an awesome new piece of brewing equipment each month. There's a link to our YouTube channel in this episode's description. Make sure to subscribe to the More Beer Podcast here to keep up with us. And without further ado, here's Chris to introduce the conversation. Enjoy. Cheers. This week, I had a great discussion with my business partner, Olin Schultz. He's the founder and CEO of More Beer and just overall great dude. I noticed a few years ago, he started using dry yeast more often than liquid. And to be honest, if you had told me I'd be using dry yeast 15 years ago, I would have said you're crazy. But believe it or not, tasting his beers, I started using it too, and I'm loving the results. So Olin, you and I have been brewing together for probably 25 years. And over the years, we've used a lot of different yeast. The one thing is amazing to me over those 25 years is where dry yeast now fits. 25 years ago, most of the dry yeast we got came from underneath a can, and it was questionable at best. But you and I, we always use liquid yeast, and that was, you know, there was variety, it was fresh, um, but I, it's amazing now. We have a ton of pro customers who are all using dry yeast and making killer beer with it. I've been saying for a couple years, there's a dry yeast revolution coming, but I think we're actually in it right now. Um, just the quality has increased so much over the last 25 years. Well, let's go over why a home brewer might want to consider dry yeast at this point. Yeah, well, I think back in the 90s, the, the quality was a little bit suspect and the drying practices were not where they are today. I mean, most of the factories that were drying yeast at that point were making baker's yeast. And now you just have a different level of professionalism from these factories that are actually drawing yeast for fermentation. Yeah, and, and our industry, both the homebrew and craft beer, has grown a ton since, so they've had a lot of economic reason to do it as well. 100%. Well, let's, let's talk about comparisons now, because it used to be then we had no idea what a cell count was uh, for dry yeast versus liquid, where the manufacturers told us exactly what they were. We didn't always know what that meant, but we thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, so now most dry yeast sachets have 80 to 120 billion cells, depending on the strain in the manufacturer. And those are really viable cells going into the fermentation. You, you might see in the liquid yeast where you have 150 or 200 billion cells uh, at the manufacturing time. And then that's going to come down as it, as it ships to us, as it gets stored, as it gets shipped to the home brewer. And so I just think that the active viable cell counts in dry yeast is going to be higher than what you're getting in liquid yeast when it arrives at your door. Not always the case, but just most of the time. And that makes a ton of sense. And that's one of the reasons we've always encouraged our customers to make a starter, you know, to prove that it is alive and to build up its viability and to give you that sense of confidence before you spend all day brewing a batch of beer. Um, yeah, and, and that's what I love about dry yeast now is that you don't have to do a starter. And most of these manufacturers like Cellar Science and Fermentus, they're recommending just a direct pitch right into the fermenter. And that takes all 
the not only the time of doing a starter, but also the risk uh, that you incur with contamination during a starter. And, and yeah, let's face it, how many of us, uh, before I was married, my kitchen was a mess, or I'd be brewing at the shop where we have an active mill going all day long, and I'd make a starter right there thinking like, yeah, I'm doing my yeast a ton of good, where I was probably at certain times introducing a fair amount of bacteria to my starter. We used to make starters in the old shop uh, in the same room as the grain mill. Same, same warehouse as a grain mill. It's a perfect place to do it. Everything got a nice little dusting of malt. Yeah, so I mean, you just take that all that contamination uh, risk out of the equation when you're pitching 80 to 120 billion dry cells right into your fermentation. And let's face it, that means you don't have to plan ahead of time either. And, and you know, I used to do starters three to four days before I was going to brew my beer. And when that brew day moved, typically it meant I had to throw that starter away and start over again. Yeah. And, and now one of the exciting parts about dry yeast as well is that you don't have to oxygenate or aerate like you do with liquid yeast when you're using dry yeast because those sterile reserves that they use for cell replication in the first generation of a fermentation are already built in during the propagation phase of the yeast. That's amazing. I mean, you think about that. Talk about another risk potential. I always think of the one thing is like, here I have been brewing all day, which most likely means I've been drinking a little bit or a lot of it. And now I'm to the most crucial time where I'm gonna be adding my yeast. And here I am taking a sintered stainless stone that I've boiled, I've put in sanitizer, but it's a porous stone that could harbor bacteria and I'm gonna add oxygen. In a brewery setting, probably not a big deal at all, but at my house late at night with my friends, it is oftentimes I worry I'm adding more problems than I'm solving. I've never seen you skip a step after three or four beers <laughs> uh, late at night. Yeah, and I think you just, you do eliminate the, the risk there too. Like, yes, you can make a great starter. Yes, you can, you can uh, sanitize or even sterilize your stone, but you just take that risk out of the equation by using dry yeast. And, and I'll still use liquid yeast in certain scenarios, and I will be very careful with my stone and all of that. But if I can eliminate that, part of everything I'm getting to at my stage in life is to make this hobby fun mm -hmm. and to not have these fears and to not have these risks just makes it so much more fun for me. And now you've cut down on the time of not making a starter in advance, and you've also shortened your brew day by not having to aerate or oxygenate at the end of your brew. That, and typically, I think you're gonna cut down on the time it takes before you notice you have active fermentation going on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just, just pitching dry yeast in, it, it usually, I mean, I'm gonna say always, but it usually starts faster, so you cut it down on your lag, your lag time, you know, that, that just for people who may not know, but below 130 before it starts to ferment and the pH drops, it just reduces that time, which also reduces risk. It's all, yeah, it's a, again, a risk reduction. And you know, in the last 25 years or so, we've taken literally thousands of emails and phone calls of people worrying about their beer that they spent all day brewing, pitched their yeast, did everything perfect with their yeast, and I mean, some of these strains in the past have taken 36 hours to, or longer to go. And that panic people have of, of you sold me dead yeast, you shipped me dead yeast, uh, blah, 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 is drastically reduced when they see signs of active fermentation the next morning or even sooner in certain cases. Yeah, sometimes you're seeing it that night if you brewed earlier in the day. So we're saving time, we're saving risk, um, and 
let's face it, we're saving money. Uh, shockingly, um, dry yeast is, is quite a bit less than liquid yeast and it doesn't have to be handled the same way that liquid yeast has to be here in our warehouse at the manufacturing or post-manufacturing. Um, so thusly, you get a equally quality product at a lower price, which, hey, who doesn't like to save money? It, at least you're saving about half, right? 50%? Sometimes it's a little less than 50%, but it's pretty close to that. All right, Olin, so let's wrap it up. Let's talk about all the benefits of using dry yeast. A lot of risk reduction, Chris. Uh, you're not having to make a starter. You're not having to oxygenate. You're eliminating possibilities for contamination. And you can ship it warm, which keeps viability high all the way to the door. That's pretty awesome. You're saving a ton of time. You're not making starters ahead of time and you're reducing the lag time between pitching and when you see fermentation, also reducing some of that stress and risk. And costs 50% of liquid yeast. Amazing. Who doesn't like to save money? That's why you're watching Free Beer Friday.